Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we uh, give you praise and thanks for the opportunity that you have given to us to be gathered together today in your name. We thank you, Lord, that you are present with us here. You're present here to serve us. You serve us by means of your word this morning. So, Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts, open our minds, that we would continue to hear your word as it's preached, as it's read, as it's sung. And, Lord, may we respond uh, to you in worship uh, by how we live our lives, knowing that we worship in love towards others. So teach us today what it means to glorify your name by living a life of love for our neighbor. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I invite you to please stand as we read our lesson today from Romans chapter 14. A reading from Romans chapter 14. Here's the Apostle Paul writes, As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. If we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me. And every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Here ends the reading. You may be seated. Well, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Seems like a strange reading this morning. Uh, talk of eating meat or eating only vegetables, of observing certain days as being more important than other days. Well, here's the, the main point of the sermon today. Don't use your opinions regarding certain matters as an opportunity to judge others or to look down on others. Don't use your opinion regarding certain matters as an opportunity to judge or to look down on others. Each and every one of us, we've taken time to study God's, God's word and to pray about certain matters. And we won't always agree. We won't always agree. One says it's, it's okay to, to eat meat. This is in Paul's day. One said it's okay to eat meat. Another said, oh, well, I only feel comfortable eating vegetables. 
Well, the believer who's at liberty to eat meat should not despise the one who doesn't eat meat, and the believer who eats only vegetables should not judge the one who enjoys eating a nice juicy steak. See, 2,000 years ago, an issue in the church uh, that the church was dealing with was with eating meat that had been used in pagan sacrifices. So the meat that was available in the meat market was meat that had been used in pagan sacrifices. So many Christians did not feel comfortable eating meat that had been used in pagan worship. So they would only eat vegetables. To eat meat for them would be something that would cause them to feel a great sense of guilt. So for some believers, eating meat was unthinkable, yet other believers felt at liberty to eat whatever they wanted to eat. So we need to understand that there are people whom Jesus has wonderfully saved, and those people come from many different backgrounds. So we gather together as the fellowship of believers, but not all of us have the same background, and not all of us have the same ways of looking at certain issues. So let me give you an example. When I was a pastor in western New York, many of our church members came out of the Roman Catholic Church. I would say that probably... um, over half of the members of that church were former Roman Catholics. And as they would become a part of of our fellowship, uh, they would bring many of their Catholic traditions along. And one of those traditions was to not eat meat on Fridays. So if you've ever been within a Catholic community, you know that Roman Catholics eat fish on Friday. It's, It's a deeply held belief and it's ingrained within the minds and the hearts of many Uh, Roman Catholics. So many of the church members I I served, they would feel very guilty about eating steak or hamburger or pork chop on Friday night. So we had to be sensitive to those who would feel a sense of guilt or a sense of shame for eating meat on Friday. One day, I I offered to deliver dinner to the John Deere dealership in town. I wanted to thank the people who worked at the John Deere dealership for uh, loaning us their front loader so that we could remove snow out of the parking lot for our Easter Sunday service. Well, as as a way of saying thank you, I said, I'd like to bring pizza over on Friday for everybody for lunch. And the owner of the John Deere dealership said, oh, pizza on Friday. We can't have pizza on Friday because pizza has meat on it. So I said, what about Monday? And they were there, that would be great, bring it over on Monday. You see, there are many who are not yet aware of their Christian liberty. They don't know that, that eating meat on Friday is okay. And even after they discover their Christian liberty, because of their upbringing, they might never feel at ease eating meat on Friday. This applies to more than Catholics eating meat on Friday. One of my seminary professors said that he knows that he is free, he is free in the gospel to mow his lawn on Sunday. But he feels guilty just thinking about mowing his lawn on Sunday. He knows his freedom in the gospel, but yet he has this sense of shame and of guilt if he were to do yard work on a Sunday. When I lived in Fergus Falls, Minnesota, I went to visit an older lady in her home, and she had a card table in the living room. I asked her if she enjoyed playing cards. She gave me a dirty look, and in a disgusted voice, she said, we don't play cards. 
And I said, well, I meant Uno. She got a big smile on her face, and she says, I love Uno. There are some who simply cannot fully live out their liberty in Christ. Some may never feel at liberty to do things that we are, in free, that we are free in Christ to participate in. When we, when we interact with those who don't feel at liberty to participate in certain activities, we should not despise them because they, they do not have the same liberty that we have to do certain things. You know, I could, have, I could have lectured former Roman Catholics about their freedom in Christ and how they shouldn't feel guilty about eating meat on Friday, but I didn't do that. I showed love towards them. And I respected them. So we wouldn't invite people over for meat on Friday. Martin Luther was a church leader who lived 500 years ago. And Martin Luther, uh, that church movement that happened 500 years ago is the movement from which we came out of, the Lutheran church. And this is what Martin Luther said in, about Romans 14. He says, in Romans 14, Paul teaches... The consciences, weak in faith, are to be led gently, spared, so that we do not use our Christian freedom for doing harm, but for the assistance of the weak. We use our freedom for the assistance of the weak. For where that is not done, the result is discord and contempt for the gospel. And the gospel is the all-important thing. Thus, it is better to yield a little to the weak in faith until they grow stronger than to have the teaching of the gospel come to nothing. And he says, this is a peculiar work of love for which there is greater need now, even now, when with the eating of meat and other liberties, men are rudely and roughly and needlessly shaking weak consciences before they know the truth. So it's true, brothers and sisters in Christ, you are free in Christ. You are free in Christ. You are free from man-made rules. There is no need for you to be held under the bondage of man-made rules. You're free from rules regarding meat and sacred days. You are free in Christ. Not only are you free from man-made rules, you're also free to obey the commandments. It's the paradox of Christian freedom. We are free. We're not free to do whatever we want, but we are free to obey the commandments. Christian freedom is not freedom from the commandments. Your freedom in Christ does not release you from obedience to God's moral standards. You are free in Christ. You're free in Christ to live out the full expression of your humanity as expressed in the commandments. And this is, our, this is our joy in life. Our joy in life is to live in obedience to God. And how are the commandments summarized? Summarized in one word. Love. Love sums up the commandments. For we are to love God with all that we are. And we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. This sums up the commandments.
So those who are free in Christ will always be considerate of others. And they'll always act in love towards others. For your Roman Catholic friend, you'll serve fish on Friday and avoid eating meat. Because you're not going to use your Christian liberty as an opportunity to look down on those that do not yet live in or may never come to live out their liberty in Christ. Many Lutheran Brethren members will never feel comfortable playing anything with a deck of Hoyle playing cards. It's true. And in that, you should never be unloving and hurtful simply because you know that you're free in Christ to play pinochle. Without betting, of course. Here are some steps for us to live out our Christian liberty and love, taken from Romans 14. Number one, fellowship. Welcome others. But do this in a spirit of love. Paul says in Romans 14.1, As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. God has welcomed him. And since God has welcomed all, God has welcomed all. We should welcome all in Christ-like love, and that's what Christian fellowship is. Christian fellowship isn't about hanging out with people that are just like you. Jesus welcomed all people, and he still welcomes all people, and we should welcome all. You know, we're sinners, and we're prone to despise people that aren't like us. We're prone to despise people who don't hold to the same practices that we do. This is human nature. But the church consists of, of many different types of people who come from many different backgrounds. And God would have us to fellowship together in love. And to be sensitive to those whose consciences are bothered by things that your conscience isn't bothered by. So let's ask God to help us. Help us to love one another, even when we don't see eye to eye. So we live out this, this liberty in Christ, this Christian freedom, by first fellowshipping in love. We fellowship in love, welcoming all. Number two, we live not for self, but for the glory of God alone. We live not for self, but for the glory of God alone. Verse 7 of Romans 14 says, For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. If we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died, and he lived again, that he might be Lord of both the living and the dead. So first of all, we fellowship in love, and secondly, we live not for self, but for the glory of God alone. And I pray that, that you and I would, would live, and even in the face of death, have this perspective. 
That if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. We belong to Him. Are you living with this perspective? Are you living with this perspective? My life is not my own. My life is not my own. I was bought with a price. I belong to Jesus. I belong to Him. Did you know that my freedom is not found in, in, uh, in anything that is mine, but my freedom uh, is in this, that I belong to Jesus? Because I belong to Jesus, I'm free. And because I'm free, I'm free to do what God wills for my life. See, I don't want this short time that I have in this body to be lived for human passions, but rather for the will of God. I don't want to live for myself. I want to live for Jesus. And when I'm living for Jesus, I'm living in obedience to the commandments. And his commandments are summarized in one word, love. And if I'm loving, I'm loving my neighbor. I'm loving those around me. And I pray that you have the same perspective on life. Life here is short. Live to the glory of God alone. What happens in this life should be lived in love. And this, brothers and sisters, is what glorifies God. We truly glorify God when we live a life of love. So first, we fellowship in love. Second, we live not for self, but for the glory of God alone, which brings us right back to living a life of love. The two go hand in hand. The number three, we avoid what causes others to stumble. We avoid what causes others to stumble. Verse 13 of Romans 14, Paul says, Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling blocks or a hindrance in the way of a brother. Avoid what causes others to stumble. And I've said this for a very long time. We want to keep the pathway to the cross clear. And the choices that I make in life will either be a stumbling blocks, a hindrance to somebody coming to Jesus or remaining in Christ, or my life will point others to Jesus, to come to him or to remain in a relationship with him. So I pray that I would live my life in such a way that I would never cause another to stumble. And for those times in my life that I have caused a brother or a sister in Christ to stumble. And I have done that. And each and every one of us will do that. I pray that God would be gracious to help me to make it right. And when, when I can't make it right, I pray that God would, in his grace, would set it right. It really is a miracle that some are faithful Christians today after the unjust judgment that they've suffered from other Christians. Sometimes Christians are cruel to one another. The way I live my life today is a living testimony that will either help or hinder others from coming to Christ or remaining 
in Christ. So fellowship and love. Live not for self, but for the glory of God alone. And third, avoid what causes others to stumble. And then last, number four, pursue that which makes for peace. Pursue that which makes for peace and that which builds others up. Apostle Paul in Romans 14, 19 through 21. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. Everything indeed is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. Pursue that which makes for peace, and that which builds others up. Live out your Christian liberty. Live out your Christian liberty. But do it in such a way that it brings peace and it builds others up. We should pursue that which will help that, that which will help this church, this body of believers, be a sanctuary of peace. A place where people can gather. And it's a place of peace. And a place where others are built up and never torn down. And I believe this is what the world needs now more than ever. is a sanctuary of peace. And it doesn't have to be a literal sanctuary, a literal building. But a gathering of believers that pursues peace and building others up. So fellowship and love. Live not for self, but for the glory of God alone. Avoid what causes others to stumble. And last, pursue that which makes for peace and builds others up. In all of this, in this life that we've been called to live, we look to Jesus. And we look to Jesus alone. Why? Because we're sinners. And we have no hope apart from Jesus Christ. Because we're sinners, we are those people who will inevitably hurt one another and damage one another by our words, and by our actions. But when we look to Jesus, we see the love of God perfected. We will never, we will never live our lives in this age as a perfect reflection of God's love. That's because we're still sinners. Saved, yes. Given the righteousness of Jesus as a free gift, yes. Declared saints, yes. But still sinners. We are simultaneously sinner and saint. The love of God is not perfected in our lives yet. But the good news is, is that we look to Jesus. And there we see the love of God perfected. And that perfect love has been given to us. Do you know that God loves you with a perfect and an everlasting love? 
His love is nothing like our love. It's perfect. It never ends. And when God sees you today, as he sees you sitting in this sanctuary, as he sees you sitting in your home or wherever you might be, he sees you with a perfect love and an everlasting love. And this is love, not that we have loved God. You know, the apostle is... Uh, John is very honest about who he is. He says, this is love. And he says, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. And that he sent his son as the propitiation or as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. We haven't loved God and we haven't loved one another. But God loves us and he sent Jesus to the cross is the sacrifice for our sins. St. John says in 1 John 4, 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Jesus laid aside his rights in love for you. And we're called to lay aside our rights, our liberties, in love for others, for their benefit. Jesus laid aside his rights and love for you. We do the same. Jesus, he suffered for your sin, for my sin, and for the sin of the whole world. Did you know that Jesus had every right? He was at liberty to reign as King of Kings and Lord of Lords on a human throne, on an earthly throne. He had every right to do that. He, after all, is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the rightful king. He is the heir to the throne of Israel. But he laid aside that right for you. Moreover, Jesus was at liberty to condemn us. He had every right to send us to be punished for our sins. But instead, he took the punishment of our sin upon himself. Jesus shed his blood. It washes your sins away. Moreover, it liberates you to live for him. To live for his glory alone. Not for self, but for others. So because of what Jesus has done, we live in fellowship, and our fellowship is in love. We live not for self, but for the glory of God. We avoid what causes others to stumble, and we pursue that which makes for peace and builds others up. And I pray that Maple Park Church would continue to be a sanctuary of peace. A sanctuary of peace. Where people can come, and people can hear the gospel, and they can be built up in the liberating power of what Christ has done. So may we be a congregation that welcomes all people from all backgrounds. May we welcome those that, that have viewpoints that may be completely different from ours. May they come into this place, and may they hear the word. And by hearing the word, may they be liberated from their sins 
and may they be transformed to live according to the will of God, to experience the transforming power of the gospel in their lives. This is why we exist. We exist to come together as God's people in fellowship, to hear the gospel, to be liberated, to be transformed, and then to go in the name of Jesus and love towards others. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth of your word today. We thank you that we are free in you. And because we are free in you, help us then, Lord, to live that love out uh, towards others today. Towards one another, first of all, knowing that you brought us into the body of Christ. Help us to demonstrate your love towards one another. That we would lay aside our own rights for the needs of the body or the needs of the individual. And then, Lord, that we would live our lives in such a way that we would be a testimony to unbelievers of your love and of your peace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.